Wednesday, March 30th, Just Baseball Show. Opening day is next Thursday, the 7th. It is crazy that we're already a week away, but you know what? We're here. Shout out baseball. And today we talk top 10 second baseman, Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. Uh, Spring training is still exciting, but I'm ready for it to start winding down because I'm ready for real baseball. I'm ready for real baseball, and I'm so excited for this second base list in particular because we were talking pre-recording about how loaded this position is, how underrated this position is when you compare. With the new additions to the second base list in Trevor Story, now of the Red Sox, Max Muncy's now going to move over to second because they get Freddie Freeman. But before we get into any of that, I don't know if I've properly congratulated you on the Indianapolis Indians because I think we've talked about it in passing. But my main man, Jack McMullen, right here is a 24-year-old in triple A in the booth. He is going to be in a big league booth soon. Not hopefully for our sake, not too soon, because then you're already Joe Buck. And you're like, "Uh, dude, do I want to do the Just Baseball show when I'm announcing game five? (laughs) We're trying, dude. It's been a year. No, we're doing well. Hey, thank you. Um, It's super exciting. We get going Next Tuesday is opening day, uh, Indianapolis and Omaha, which is going to be a stacked baseball game. Pirates just announced O'Neill Cruz got sent back to Indianapolis, which is total BS for O'Neill Cruz. But you know what? It's awesome for me. I get to watch O'Neill Cruz in person next week before big league ball even gets going. Triple A opening day is Tuesday. MLB opening day is Thursday. Um, we'll also get MJ Melendez and Nick Prado for Omaha. It looks like Bobby Witt might break camp. Haven't seen the official word yet. He should. He should be the opening day shortstop if they make him the opening day third baseman. Like, what are we doing here? Um, Move everybody else off the position. Like, let Bobby Witt, unimpeded, do what he does best. That's our top prospect in just baseball's top 100. But I'm going to get O'Neill Cruz against uh, Melendez and Prado. uh, And it's super, super exciting. So exciting. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, he just has to start taking notes from the Kevin Newman. I put that out on Twitter. Like, what are they doing? Kevin Newman can't hit worth anything. Great defender. But what truly are they doing? I guess they just want to see him with more time in the minor leagues, maybe some service manipulation there. The great thing is, at least we will see Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. It does seem like they're both slotted to make the big league roster for the Tigers. They are two of top 10 prospect. Riley Green could be an all-star outfielder. Spencer Torkelson, all-star first baseman. So at least we have some good news there. But the I was floored by O'Neill Cruz and floored by MJ Melendez led the minors in home runs in triple a what are we waiting for here with mj melendez i I truthfully have no idea why he's not there considering the offense that the royals have as currently constructed who's gonna play dh carlos santana what yes bro 
who is going like honestly who cares about 40 bombs when you can walk slightly <laughs> more than you strike out but that's the old Carlos Santana. Like, he's not still walking more than he's striking out. Is he? Let me pull up no baseball way. reference. If he walked more than he struck out last year, I'll shut the hell up. Because there's no way that Carlos Santana hit, like, 180 last year, didn't he? If Carlos Santana, by the way, happy early birthday to Carlos Santana. He's going to turn 36 on the second day of the season. Um, and you've got MJ Melendez ready to roll. No, Carlos Santana walked 86 times and he struck out 102. Yes, but in no 2020... Way. He walked 47 and struck out 43. In 2019, he was an all-star. He walked 108, and he struck out 108. So you know what? Shout out Slam Tana, baby. This guy takes his pitches. So dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. It's dumb. We've got a bunch of really, really good second basemen. And you're right. Like, it's a deep list. I feel like last year we were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. And then Marcus Simeon puts out a 40-homer season. And then Trevor Story is signed as a second baseman. And then Max Muncie is shifted to second because Freddie Freeman's a first baseman now. And not and to mention you had a bunch he, of other guys perform really well last year. Even like Jorge Polanco, a guy who primarily played a lot of shortstop with the Twins, moved over to second base. And it's also with the second base position, a lot of these utility guys, Jake Cronenworth, DJ LeMahieu, Whit Merrifield, Chris Taylor. How about Ketel their- Marte? could tell Marte a lot of their primary positions are second base. So we're kind of putting all of the utility guys, all of the previous shortstops and some of the best second basemen in baseball. So when you go through this list and we're about to get into our honorable mentions, but we almost have some honorable honorables and that's yeah. Glaber Torres and jazz Chisholm. Right. Notable omissions here. Um, Glaber was a second baseman for about 20 games at the end of 2021. Now, would he have qualified as a second baseman on this list if we chose that he was notable enough to be on the honorable mentions? Yeah, we would have absolutely honorably mentioned Glaber Torres. But the reality is, like, he is just worth mentioning. He's not worth honorably mentioning right now because Glaber Torres is going through this identity crisis and he's got to figure out what's going on here. You mentioned before we started recording the splits as a second baseman versus a shortstop. And as a second baseman, yes, very low sample size, but he hit 300 with a 370 OBP and like a 440 slugging. He was pretty solid as a second baseman, granted 19 games. I am a believer in Glaber Torres. I really am. And I don't, I'm not, it's not all Yankee bias people. So give me a break here. I really do believe in the bat of Glaber Torres. Not only when he switched over to second base, did he slash, like you said, 300 with a 370 on base? But even in the second half, 794 OPS compared to a 634 OPS. It's clear that he's much more comfortable at second base. Shortstop, the, it started to get to him. When you start making errors at the most prime position in the biggest market in Yankee Stadium with the fans down your neck at a young age and really... Like everyone says like, oh, when Derek Jeter to Didi. No, it really didn't. Didi was a stopgap for Glaber Torres in the Chapman trade. He had a lot of pressure coming up and, and it was clear. He wasn't in the right mindset when it comes to shortstop. 
move him over to second base, he immediately hits 300. 2019, 38 bombs. I'm not saying that he's going to be 38 bombs again, but do I think he's going to be much better than last year? I really, really do think so. I don't think 2021 is an indication of what Glaber Torres is. I think he's much closer to 2019 than he is 2021. But like I said, I don't think he'll be at the level of 2019 ever again. So tell me if these are entirely different things or I, I'm making a legitimate point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Glaber Torres, it's not so much a shortstop versus second base thing as it is a New York City thing. Like, I mean, he plays for the Yankees. Yeah. He was the shortstop for the New York Yankees, not too far removed from Derek Jeter. That's a pressure cooker. If you if you can possibly concoct a pressure cooker, that is it. And Didi, he was fine for a little bit, but people were expecting unfairly Didi Gregorius to turn into a future Hall of Famer. That was never going to happen. And then Glaber comes up. You know what people were expecting from Glaber? Future Hall of Famer Glaber Torres. How can you not? 2019, he has all the pressure to perform then. Moves over to shortstop, still a young guy, like 24 years old. The defense, it got to him. It was clear. Same thing with Gary. Like it was, it's in their heads. When they can't perform defensively, they bring it to the plate and it carries over there in their production and in their numbers. And it was clear once he moved off that, he performed much better. He's still a young guy with a ton of pop. You know, the deadened baseball really put a number on a lot of the guys on our list. Yeah. And, you know, I have my own conspiracies, whether these are true or not, that after a lockout, we're going to get that same ball that produced 38 home runs. So I am really expecting a bounce back for Glaber Torres because of a lot of different reasons, because of the moving over another year to relax. He gets to finally be at second base. And I think he's going to get a conspiracy ball and actually perform better. And I, I just, I, I really am a believer and it will be egg on my face if he doesn't, because I'm fully in, I do really believe it. And I think you could even, you know, I called you before and I said, should Glaber Torres move into the honorable mentions? You were like, no. And I was like, I understand because he straight up didn't perform. And especially there's a lot of guys on this list who are phenomenal. But I really do think he will be a top 15 second baseman by the end of 2022. When David Fletcher and Nick Madrigal hit a homer on opening day, I'm going to tweet out conspiracy ball. And we're going to turn that into a hashtag. Hashtag conspiracy ball. Yes. Yes. Let's do <laughs> Here it. we go. That'll be perfect. Whenever somebody that isn't supposed to homer homers, yeah. I might just quote tweet it and say hashtag conspiracy ball. Do the Pirates call up O'Neill Cruz when Kevin Newman has 20 home runs next year? No. <laughs> no I think uh, I think O'Neill Cruz might actually go to Altoona because they don't want O'Neill breathing down Kevin Newman's neck. Imagine O'Neill Cruz's exit velocities with the conspiracy ball. Like what? Oh my god. 150. <laughs> Easy. Um, next one, the- next one is Jazz Chisholm, who just finished his rookie year. Jazz is super exciting. And and you talk to anybody and they say superstar potential with Jazz Chisholm. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a top 15 second baseman right now because the production is not there right now. Does the production have a chance to tick up this year and get him into the top 15 conversation and maybe even the top 10 conversation? I say yes. And by the all-star break. He's, he was almost a 2020 guy last year. But then again, like, go look at his Savant page. It's very blue. 
We're talking X well, we're talking X batting average, we're talking X slug. We're talking a lot of stuff. Like he chases a lot, he swings and misses a lot. He wasn't a great defender last year. Right. So I mean, he was he was a young guy in terms of discipline. I think that's why he's not in this top 15 conversation because he's got a lot to to iron out. He's very flashy and he's very talented, but he just hasn't put it all together yet and he realistically could put it together this season but last year was his first full year pitchers will then adjust to what they saw last year we I don't think that we're going to see a breakout in year in really big year two because you know he didn't hit well against breaking balls at all last year I sure they're going to try and spin him to death but I think year three when he's 26 years old, we could see a consistent 20, 25 guy. Like he's even said it himself. I remember Jazz Chisholm came to camp and Arm was telling this um, when he was talking about Marlins camp, that Jazz came and said, I want to be a 40, 40 guy. <laughs> and it's, it's almost lunacy to yeah, good say luck. that because like, that's incredible. Like last time someone did that was Matt Kemp and no, Matt Kemp didn't even do it. He was 41, 39. Like it, yeah. it rarely ever happens in the history of our sport. But Jazz thinks he can do that. And I see why, because he has, he's one of the fastest in baseball and he has crazy pop when he makes contact. I mean, 84th percentile and max exit velocity. Like Jad Chisholm is five foot 11, 180 pounds. Yeah. Like he could grow and really be an incredible, incredible player, but I don't think it's going to happen next year. I think the year after we're going to see the Jazz Chisholm show. But we're going to be some. We're going to see some highlights this year. Like there are going to be flashes in the pan of Jazz Chisholm where we're like, "Oh, damn! This guy has arrived." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even last year we showed that. Remember the home run off to Grom? Yeah, one hundred two up in the zone, and he just sent it into the right field seats. And then they ask him after the game, he's like, "Oh, no, I wasn't really sitting fastball. I'm just freaky." <laughs> like, he was yeah, I'm just him. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Gordon when he was at Arizona. I think I brought this up on the pod before. Like. Aaron Gordon had a game where he just threw down like nasty dunk after nasty dunk. And Gordon, I think went fourth overall after his freshman year at Arizona. And there was some sort of like layup question to him after the game on ESPN. It was like, you know, how, how'd you do, you know, how do you do these things um, in the air? Like to, to throw down these insane dunks. And his answer was I'm athletic and walked away. Some of these guys don't know how to describe it. I mean, if you could jump 45 inches into the air, how do you teach someone how to do that? No, Sometimes I was you just got to say like that I was, that's why some of the best NBA players are bad head coaches. Some of the best MLB players are bad coaches. Like Barry Bonds being a hitting coach was out quickly, even though he's the best hitter of all time. Sometimes it's just, you can't teach it. It's just, I got it. And Jazz Chisholm's got it. Right. So the way I look at Patrick Ewing at Georgetown is he probably looks at his bigs and he's like, why can't you do this? And they're like, because I'm not Patrick fucking Ewing. Michael Jordan looking at the Hornets being like, why aren't you jumping from the free throw line? Gordon Hayward, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not MJ, dick. Gordon Um, Hayward, imagine that conversation between them. (laughs) Like talking. It'd be so funny. Sir, I'm from Indiana. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't jump like you do. I, I hit the mid-range, not even close to what you do, but I hit the mid-range. Uh, let's get into the honorable mentions here. Our first honorable mention is Tommy Edmond. Edmond was one of the 38 different St. Louis Cardinals to take home a gold glove in 2021. Uh, he, he just played his first full season of big league ball. He's underwhelming offensively in OPS under 700 with next to no walks, and that needs to improve. But Tommy Edmond doesn't whiff. 
He absolutely flies on the base paths, and he is the gold standard defensively at second base. He's a pretty disciplined hitter too. And the OPS numbers, like you said, 700, but a 107 WRC plus. And we were considering him versus Chaz Chisholm for this last spot, but we went with Tommy Edmond just because he's clearly, clearly a better defender. And he rated better as a hitter last year. He didn't have the, the big counting numbers per se, but the WRC plus doesn't lie. 107 and 99. And Tommy Edmond, I think he'll even improve on that next year. You know, he's a better hitter than I think he showed last year. Um, he's a bat to ball guy, um, puts the ball in play, does his job for the St. Louis Cardinals. Just a really solid player. Stanford grad, too. If you like your smart people, Tommy Edmonds, Stanford alum. Uh, next one is Gene Segura. Guy hits. He's a walking 280. He hardly ever swings and misses. He sprays it absolutely everywhere, and he's a solid defender. He's truly a good second baseman, maybe even a really good second baseman, but we think there are 10 great second basemen here. Agreed. I need to apologize. I have slandered Gene Segura's defense from just when I watch the Phillies. I, I, he doesn't jump out to me as a great defender, but he rates as a phenomenal defender on baseball savant, on fan graphs. So by the numbers, he's actually one of the best defenders second base, or at least he had one of the best defensive seasons at second base last year. But I guess that's where kind of my eye test and the numbers didn't really meet where I was like, oh, I guess he is that great of a defender, but it didn't look like it to me. But I will I will abide by the numbers. I, I He is a better defender than I gave him credit for. You know what? He uh, he's lost a little bit of fluidity, but he still gets to the balls. I think yeah. that's where you're getting thrown. He doesn't look as smooth as he once did. And I think it's also his positioning on the field, too. Because he might be a guy who's just a little bit smarter and he might side, you know, he might know where the ball is coming maybe before like a rookie second baseman, like a jazz chisel might. That's where maybe I missed it a little bit. So I'm here to apologize to Philly. He is a, a good defender. The rest of your team outside of JT Ramuto sucks. I'm going to, I'm staying on that. I've looked at everybody else. Everyone else sucks. Even Reese Hoskins. Not good. Yeah. Gene Segura, Real Muto, not the problems. Chris Taylor does not suck, and Chris Taylor is our next honorable mention. Assuming the Lux experiment is over in L.A., Chris Taylor should have a real position this year for the first time in his career. His defensive versatility gives him bonus points. He might not necessarily be a phenomenal defensive second baseman, but he's fine there. 20 homers in your first All-Star nod this past year, that gives you some more bonus points. Freaking love Chris Taylor. He's a Chris gamer. Taylor, yeah, he's a gamer. And, you know, you're about to get into a couple more, you know, utility Swiss Army Knife type guys. Besides the guy who made our list, he might be the best overall Swiss Army Knife utility guy in baseball. Maybe the yes. second best to our guy who's who makes our top 10. Would you agree? Like, Absolutely. do you think he's... You know, you're about to get into the, and you know, fuck it. DJ LeMay, you and Whit Merrifield, like you're about to get into those guys. It's, it's interesting. I think you could make the argument that Chris Taylor is the best out of all. Yeah. At, at filling certain roles, right? Because my thing is, who would you rather have next year? Chris Taylor. Me too. Chris Taylor. DJ's up there though. Yeah, but he's not as versatile. I was looking for the right word, but I Pretty mean, Chris Taylor in the infield though, but Taylor DJ's, can play everywhere, dude. That's the thing. Yeah. And Taylor had a better offensive season than DJ did last year with a dead in ball. Yeah. 
Let's talk about Wit before DJ though. Uh, Wit Merrifield and Starling Marte were the only two players last year to have 40 or more stolen bases. And Wit Merrifield is not necessarily a burner. He's just the best base runner in baseball. Even more impressive, he went 40 for 44 in stolen bases. Shows you one of the smartest base runners in baseball. Since the start of 2019, Whit Merrifield has not missed a baseball game. 162, 60, 162. He led the league in doubles this past year. The reason he's not top 10, he only got on base at a 317 clip and a 711 OPS is not top 10. Bad year offensively. No other way to slice it. There's Didn't just really no pop there. Didn't hit, really hit for power, but when he gets on base, he's a demon. Plays a good second place, plays a good center field, is one of the leaders for this Royals team, but just isn't going to make the top 10 because this top 10 is freaking loaded. Maybe in other years he might, but not this year. I just, not this year. He's not with that season he had last year, but I, I do think he's going to bounce back, but he's not making the top 10, man. Yeah. And then DJ is just a whole ass hitter. He hit 327 in 2019. He finished fourth in MVP voting. He hit 364 in 50 games in 2020. He finished third in MVP voting. And then in 2021, he dipped. He was dealing with nagging injuries. He hit 268, which is 10 homers and a 100 flat WRC plus. He can re-enter the top 10 for sure, but he hit the same number of home runs as he did in 2020 in exactly 100 more games. Bring back the conspiracy ball and DJ LeMay, who's shoot right up back to the top 10. No, I, it's not. It doesn't have everything to do with the ball. He had more balls on the ground last year. Like the problem with DJ LeMahieu, which killed me, made me want to punch hole in my TV, was DJ LeMahieu was such a line drives hitter and then converted to ground balls. And then those ground balls led to as many double plays as I can even imagine. I mean, there were so many innings where DJ had an inning ending double play where in previous years, he was the guy to get that two out hit. That's where the problem lies. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to be better. I don't think we're going to see 2020 because 2020 was a COVID shortened season and he's not going to hit 360 and he's not going to hit 320 either, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's right back up into the three hundreds. Uh, when it's all said and done next year. Yeah, DJ was 10 on this list until the very end when we forgot somebody. Uh, and then we had to add them in because new position. And then DJ was the first bump. So I think LeMayhew is the 11th best second baseman in baseball, but it's really hard to crack this top 10, man. It's so hard to crack this top 10. Number 10 is the 28-year-old Minnesota, Jorge Polanco. He's already played parts of eight seasons with the Twins, and he has been as steady as they come. Polanco is a career 276 hitter with an OPS just below 800. 2019, it seemed to be Polanco's breakout campaign. He was 25 years old. He hit 295 with 40 doubles and 22 homers. The bat to ball dipped a teensy bit in his next full season last year. His strikeout rate jumped about 2%. His batting average dropped about 25 points. However, he hit 33 bombs and he drove in 98. That makes up for a lack of bloop singles. Polanco, <laughs> he spent the entirety of 2020 as a mediocre shortstop. In 2021, he played 39 games at short, but he played 120 at second while Andrelton Simmons was the shortstop. Different story in 2022. Carlos Correa is the shortstop for the Minnesota Twins. 
the tandem of Polanco at second and Correa at short has the opportunity to not only be one of the more electrifying middle infield tandems in baseball, but one of the more productive middle infield tandems in baseball. 68 extra base hits. Hit 270. Slugged over 500. It honestly pains me that he's number 10 because he should be argue. I mean, he, he shouldn't be higher considering the rest of the players on this list, but for how good of a player he is to be the 10th best at his position goes to show how loaded this position is. And you'll see when we get into the rest of the list, why he's number 10, but he's, he's a phenomenal second baseman. He really is. At this point last year, though, like this position was nowhere near as loaded. He would be knocking on the door of the top five. Absolutely, he'd be knocking on the door of the top five. I mean, think about it. He would be top eight if Muncie and Story never happened. And the guy that you're about to get to. And the guy I'm about to get to. He was a non-factor. My partner in crime pegged Jonathan India as the rookie of the year in 2021. Not only did he cash plus 4,100, he was spot on about the talent. So just after one season, Jonathan India is the ninth best second baseman in baseball. Jonathan India was such a breath of fresh air for the Reds, locking down the leadoff spot, which the team hasn't had a good one in the last decade since Shinsu Chu. And the 21 home runs are great. And we already know he's a run producer, but I want to add context to the speed and the defense. He rates as a terrible defender, but give the man a break. He improved last season and he's played only seven innings in the minors as a second baseman. He had to adjust on the fly and we saw improvements as the year went on. Speed, he stole 12 bases, which is great, but he really has 20 to 25 steals in his, in his bag if the Reds ever decided that they wanted to run. The Reds as a team stole 36 bases last year lowest in the league and he had 12 of them he will be a star for years to come and i'm actually not afraid of overrating him i'm afraid of underrating him yeah so india it's fascinating how is he going to progress right because he was the guy and the reason his odds were so high or low you know it was the correct high. high yeah okay so like if if you are a massive underdog your odds are high yes Okay. So the reason his odds were so high was because like this guy was struggling in minor league baseball. He was the fifth overall pick. Okay. But I mean, he got to minor league ball and he was like, "Mm, fine. I think he was fifth overall in 2018. Um, And in like 2018, meh, 2019, meh. But then at the alternate site in 2020 was where all the Reds people fell in love. They were like, this bat is too good to block. And then the spring rolls around in 2021 and they were like, oh my God, this bat is like, we can't do this. So they signed D Gordon. They released D Gordon to make room for Jonathan India to debut and India. Like he did not make them eat their thoughts or eat their words. He was so good from the jump. And it's obvious that like, you can't let anybody block that guy from being the second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. He's going to learn the position just because he's been there. The question that I have is when Moustakis comes off the books, because Eugenio Suarez is already off, is he the third baseman? To be honest, I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they just said, all right, you're the second baseman now for the future. Maybe they go get another third baseman. 
I honestly don't have the answer to that question, but I really want to thank Clay Snowden because I called him before the podcast and I was like, give me something that I don't understand about Jonathan India. I watched Jonathan India. You know, I can look at the numbers. I can watch his swing. It's gorgeous. I think he's a better defender than what the numbers say, but you tell me what's really important about Jonathan India. And he harped on the fact that the Reds haven't had a good leadoff hitter since 2013 in Shin Su Chu. That's a deep cut name. Like that just importance of that for the Reds lineup now moving forward. And he mentioned the speed. That's why I had to mention that as well, that the Reds just don't run at all. Like this is an 86th percentile speed guy. Like he's one of the fastest players in baseball, stole 12 bases in his rookie year, got caught three times, still a great rate. And he really could steal 20 to 25 bags if the Reds allowed him to. Like this could be a guy who hits 290 and a 20 home run, 20 stolen base guy with the possibility of 25 in each. Like that's the talent that India is. And as an improving glove at second base, he, he had to basically learn a new position. The reason why you asked me, should he move over to third? Because that was his primary position. And he had to learn on the fly in the majors. Yes, he's not going to rate well. While but he's winning, going to get better because he's an athlete. He won rookie of the year while learning another position at the exactly. big league level. Like, I, that's why I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of overrating him at nine after only one season. I'm afraid of underrating him. Yeah, you called him a breath of fresh air. I, I like that. I also like taste breaker because you look at Winker and Castellanos and a. Eugenio Suarez. I'm sorry. But like, yeah, India is not built like any of those guys. It was really fun to watch India. Or an icebreaker because he's so cold. In a good way. In a good uh, way. <laughs> ninth best second baseman in baseball. 25-year-old. Eighth. Yeah. eighth. Oh, you're yeah, eight. you're right. You're <laughs> right. Eighth best second baseman in baseball is 25-year-old Ozzy Albies. He has already accomplished what many hope to have accomplished in the entirety of their major league career. Two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger winner, just got his first World Series ring and is coming off of the first 30-homer, 100-RBI season of his blossoming career. After leading the NL in hits in 2019, he put up career highs in nearly every power number in 2021, including everybody's favorite power-hitting stat, stolen bases. Uh, Ozzy's 77 extra base hits was the fifth-highest total in all of baseball last year. He had more extra base hits than Rafi Devers and Matt Olson. He was one extra base hit shy of Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Bryce Harper. That is dumb company. We have to address the splits. As a left-handed hitter for his career, Albies has a 250 average and a 752 OPS. Albies has a 339 batting average and a 947 OPS as a right-handed hitter. So to put it plainly, Albies is a replacement level second baseman against right-handed pitching. He's an MVP front runner against left-handed pitching, but at the end of the day, he's a defensive wizard with mucho pop. That's durable as all hell. And I will absolutely take that guy on my team. Ozzy hit right-handed bro. <laughs> Cedric Mullins was 30, 30 when he switched to being a lefty. Nobody's going to make fun of you. And you could probably make, way more than the $35 million they're paying you over seven years with the Braves, bro. Like you got it in the tank. 
I'm talking to you straight, Ozzy Albies, in case you accidentally stumble across the top 10 second baseman on the Just Baseball Show, which is always zero chance that you do. But in case you're listening, please switch it. Or please just don't switch it. Go to the right-hand side. But I'm done with that. How about the fact that he was over 100 runs last year? Over 100 RBIs as a second baseman as well. Like, he just does everything that you need, and he can pick it over there at second base too. I mean, dude, he is, he's so good. And the bat to ball is great. I think the strikeout rates under 15%. Like this guy is, is constantly spraying the ball everywhere. To be honest, like it, part of me wanted to go higher with Albies than eight, just because he's Aussie Albies. And I think it may be jarring to hear him at number eight for, for some people, because people might expect him to be one, two, three. I mean, he was one last year. He was one last year, but the reality of fact is like he does not take his walks people. And that that's not the only thing that's keeping him out of this list, but like he doesn't rate well as a hitter. If you're looking at WRC plus, if you're looking at a lot of these advanced stats, he just doesn't rate that well. Like just like the reality of the situation. And then 60% of his bats, he's a 250 hitter with a 790 OPS or however you said it against right against right-handed pitching. There are also just like, this is for 2022. And we think that the seven guys ahead of him are going to be better second basemen and better contributors. And that shouldn't take anything away from Ozzy Albies because you're going to hear the rest of the names on the list. And you're gonna be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, he can still be amazing and not be better than these other amazing guys. Yeah. Amen. So let's get to the seventh, another amazing guy. The Crone Zone can do everything on the baseball field, and that's why Jake Cronenworth checks in as the seventh best second baseman in the sport. For my money, Jake Cronenworth is the best Swiss Army knife in baseball. His primary position is second base, but he can easily slide over to short or first base. And if you throw him in an outfield spot, Jack, he'd be totally fine. Cronenworth across the board is above average. He hits fastballs. He hits breaking balls. He takes walks. He hits homers. He's an above average base runner. And of course, he's a great defender. And all of that accumulated into the fourth best war overall at the position. I'm trying to find a hole in his game, and I just can't. He's durable. He's young. He's smart. You tell me where he's lacking. I can't. He is, he's so fun to watch defensively. I was thinking if anywhere he was going to be a a left-handed hitting second baseman with thump that left a bit to be desired defensively. But with Tatis being out, there's a chance that he's a really good defensive shortstop. Yeah. He does nothing wrong ever. Nothing like everything across the board. Hits for power. Steals some bags. He's a good guy in the locker room by all accounts. It's high average. Gets his walks. Like what? <laughs> we War had, everything. Just dude, above we, average. Just great we had Albies. We had Albies ahead of Cronenworth, and then we we texted the list to Arm, and he was like, "You got to flip them." Yeah. And it, we did like a, a simple pros and cons list, and like the cons <laughs> yeah. side of the chart for Cronenworth was empty, and Just Albies empty. it was hitting left-handed. <laughs> Like, I don't know what to tell you. And also Albies doesn't take his walks. Like there, there are, there are things that Albies has that are below average. Nothing for the Crone zone. Nothing. 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 Cronenworth is all good. He's amazing. He's great. He's um, really cool. 
right, new digs in more ways than one for the sixth best second baseman in baseball. Full transparency, we concocted this entire list, put together the honorable mentions, and before we hang up the phone, we had an epiphany that we left Trevor's story off because he was not a second baseman until right now. Trevor Story has appeared in the field 733 times in his six-year career. He has appeared at shortstop 733 times. While once considered a time buyer for Brendan Rodgers, Story turned into a two-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger at short in the National League. He saw production take a dive in his final year at course. In his last three full seasons, here are the trends. Home run output, 37, 35, 24. RBIs, 108, 85, 75. Batting average, 291, 294, 251. OPS, 914, 917, 801. He did lower his strikeout rate to a career best, but his line drive rate was a career worst. A chance to not have the stressors of a contract year may be his his biggest blessing. He just got a big deal. He just got some financial security. He can get back to hitting liners and peppering balls into the gap and off the monster. I think with some security here and in a new place, Trevor Story legitimately has the chance to explode this year. He has a chance to explode because he's going to a ballpark that suits him extremely well in Fenway. He is going to pepper balls off that green monster. I have some splits that I want to show you, and they're not the normal. I mean, they are the normal splits because, let's be honest, home versus away splits we have to talk about. Yeah. But, Jack, I, I just want to throw these lefty-righty splits at you and and for my reasoning for telling you, and just you tell me how it comes off. Yeah. In 2021, he had a 974 OPS against lefties. He had a 735 OPS against righties. In 2020, 800 OPS against righties, 1,000 OPS against lefties. Are you at all concerned about a right-handed hitter going to face a lot more right-handed pitching, going away from cores, and he already had a 735 OPS in cores against right-handed pitching, the fact that he's going to see mostly right-handers? Yeah, That's, you, I, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's like, oh, I just figured it out. Trevor story sucks. I'm just saying there's like there's things here that I want to throw at you to see how it see how it sticks. W- was that you and I talking about this on the pod last week or was that me and Aram talking about Trevor story? I think it, it might have been us talking about when story signed and, and I brought up his lefty righty splits because he is so much better against left handed pitching than he is right handed pitching. And we went through all the good arms in the AL East. You look at Tampa, Glasnow is hurt, but for the foreseeable future, Glasnow is a righty, Boz is a righty, McClanahan is a lefty, but Patino is a righty. You look at Baltimore, Grayson Rodriguez is the guy you want to point out, he's a righty. You look at New York, Garrett Cole is a righty, Severino's a righty. You guys don't really have lefties. And then you look at Toronto, and we have Nestor and and, uh, Montgomery, but Tyone is another righty. Right, Tyone's a righty. Um, And then you look at Toronto, Gosman's a righty, Barrios is a righty, Manoa's a righty. Like, that's a lot of good arms that Trevor Story might be a non-factor against. That's what I'm saying. Like a 735 OPS against right-handed pitching in Colorado. And it's notoriously known he is far worse of a hitter outside of Colorado than he is 
on the road, but he's going to Fenway, which is also one of the best hitters parks to hit in. So I don't think that the production is going to fall that much. Also, elbow problems. There was a reason that last year, defensively, he was not that great. He had problems throwing the ball over to the first baseman. That's why he's probably moving over to second. Also, because Xander Bogarts has kind of, I guess, earned that, even though primarily you would expect Trevor Story to take that over because Trevor Story has historically been a better defender. But I think there's a reason there that the elbow is hurting. So are we going to see, you know, phenomenal second base defense because he moved over from short and was phenomenal there? He might. He might. But also, we have been hyping up everybody else in the position. I feel like we've been sort of tearing down Trevor Story. Sort of. Not really, because he's ranked really. six. So that's how about, that's how highly we think of him, that he's even better than everybody else we've been talking about so far. But in a down year, he was 2020. Like a down year, 24 home runs, 20 sold bases. That's yeah. incredible. Like the floor, kind of similar that we were talking about with Real Muto. Real Muto's offensive floor is much lower than Story's. Like Story at the worst is an 800 OPS guy. He's he's really incredible. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking story, like the reason we bag on Story the way we do is because we hold Story to a way higher standard than what exactly. we saw in 2021. We almost just moved into another tier when we're talking yes. like these second basemen. Like now it's the best players in the game. Right. So a guy who's just a little bit better coming off one of the best seasons from a second baseman, this Tampa Bay Ray is entering his prime and I can't wait to see it. Brandon Lau is the fifth best second baseman in the game. Brandon Lau was second in home runs at the position and number one in WRC plus as a 26 year old, but it was no fluke. He was on pace for 44 pumps in 2020, and he recorded an even better WRC plus at 152. He is an offensive weapon that does strike out a lot at 27%, but he takes his walks to counteract that at over 11%. He's also an above average base runner on top of being one of the best overall bats at the position. Brandon Lau finished with a 5.2 F4. That was higher then Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, and Freddie Freeman. That's the type of ball player Brandon Lau is. 39 homers. 39 homers on pace for 44 in 2020. It, like the, That's the only number I care about, to be totally honest. It's incredible. It's 39 homers as a second baseman. This is and Dan Ugla with like less shit. And the trop is hard to hit home runs at, bro. 39 39 that's so many so many home runs in the wrc plus he's like maybe the best offensive player at the position but the glove is is kind of what you nag him for he's not the best defender over there i'd say that's probably his hole but everything else like he's a really good base runner rates really well steals bags hits absolute bombs hits piss missiles gets on base does a lot of stuff that you do like my only thing with brandon lau is he hasn't come up big in the postseason. He never has. Um, and that's what will take him to the next level. But then again, he is entering his age 27 season. You know, he's he's been young. I, I do think that he can turn around the postseason um, just because of how talented he is. And that one of these, you know, postseasons is all luck anyway. Um, you know, you just got to be coming in the right moment. Uh, but some guys are just gamers and they're just primarily better in the postseason. But I really want to see Brandon Loud do that before we can move him any higher. 
Yeah, what did what did Will Smith say uh, in his Twitter or in his Instagram apology after he slapped the shit out of Chris Rock? He said, I am a work in progress or I am not a finished product or something like that. Um, that was I, crazy. We I view Will Smith that. and Brandon Lau very similarly. Um, Wait, the actor? Yeah, the actor. You said, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I think Brandon Lau is still a work in progress. I think he has room to fill out. Um, but yeah, you know, shout out, shout out Will Smith for doing that, I guess. Um, I'm pro Chris Rock in that. You literally hired somebody to make jokes. Chris Rock made a joke and Will Smith decided to go smack the shit out of him. Also, are we going to get into the wife stuff with Will Smith? About the no, we're not going to get into we're that. We're not going to get into that. Either. No, Cattell Marte is the fourth best second baseman in baseball. Congratulations to certified bag securer Cattell Marte on the greatest achievement of his life, being number four on this list. We too would like $76 million over the next five years, but Marte is objectively more electrifying than we are. The 28-year-old had injuries hamper his 2021 campaign, um, but he was sensational in the 90 games he did play. Marte hit 318 with an OPS north of 900. He hit 14 homers and accumulated 2.9 wins above replacement with a 139 WRC+. In 90 games, he had a 2-9 war. Marte's been the guy for a minute. During his age 25 season in 2019, he was named to his first All-Star team and finished fourth in the National League MVP voting. Guy hit 330 with 36 doubles and 32 bombs. Traditionally, he's split time a la Chris Taylor between the outfield and second base. But with Alec Thomas making his way up, Corbin Carroll not too far behind, Cattell Marte should be the everyday second baseman for the Diamondbacks. And he just got financially compensated to be the everyday second baseman for the Diamondbacks. And you might tell us that Cattell Marte doesn't deserve a spot at number four because of the durability issue, right? He only played 90 games last year. But I think the durability issue with Cattell Marte is a little bit overblown. In his 60-game season, he played 45 games. 2019, he played 144 games. 2018, he played 153 games. So in the la- since 2018, he's been primarily healthy as well. And when he's on the field, Jack, he's one of the freak talents that we've ever seen in our sport. And I'll tell you why I say just a freak of nature. Because I was speaking with our guy, Dustin Demeter, you know, plays at Oral Roberts University. He used to play with Josh Rojas over at Hawaii. And Josh Rojas, who's now in the Diamondbacks, told uh, told Dustin that Cattell Marte would walk in and um, without stretching, he'd take off his shirt. He'd have a bean. He'd have a beatbox on his shoulder. He'd walk in all cool, all swaggy, just killing shit. Walks into the walks into the cage, starts hitting 110 mile an hour exit velos opposite way without stretching in the cage. Like that's that's who Cattell Marte is. 110 exit velos the opposite way in the cage without stretching without a shirt on <laughs> that's Cattell Marte so he, he's 6'1 210 and he's in the 97th percentile in max exit below he hits the ball so freaking hard my only thing is just doesn't rate well as a defender yeah but I think but like, being, I don't know if I believe it. No, I do. But like being at a spot every that day, that bad helps. though, like fourth percentile and no, like, I'm looking not at outs above average here. Like I'm, yeah, I don't really care that much. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that Marte is going to benefit from being an everyday second baseman. Um, and, and he's too freakishly athletic to not be good defensively at second base. 
he had a once over a 160 WRC plus in 2019. Like that's that's what Vladdy did last year, people. Yeah. Vladdy does it in different ways. He does it in different ways. We keep just talking in front of each other. (laughs) We can tell we're paying a 162 WRC plus compared to Vlad. He does it in different ways, absolutely. But it's it's incredible. Like he over a full 162 next year, he could end up being number one with all of his freakish athletic abilities. Yeah, you know, you worry about the defensive transition. I'm worried about the defensive transition to number three. It may seem jarring to seeing him in the second base rankings, but with the addition of Freddie Freeman to an already loaded Dodgers lineup, Max Muncy becomes the third best second baseman in the sport. Max Muncy is one of the best bats in baseball, period. He doesn't hit for a high average, but he walks 14% of the time last year. That was good for eighth in the game in 2021. Oh, and he hit 36 bombs with 26 doubles. And his 136 WRC plus last year would have placed him first out of all second basemen in 2021. In summary, and excuse me, a 140 WRC plus last year would have placed him first out of all second basemen in 2021. Max Muncy just absolutely rakes and he turns it up a notch when it comes to the playoffs. And the only knock really is the defense as he rates below average at the position and he's coming off Tommy John, but it'll be totally fine. And he's the top three second baseman next year. Yeah. I mean, so this guy was more of like the slow ascension to the top than other Dodgers. When Cody Bellinger comes up, Bellinger's crazy. You know, Muncy made his move after Puig and before Bellinger Mm -hmm. and Muncy was the guy that was like, he was never the national sensation that those two guys were. He was just consistently pretty good. And it was like, who's this stocky redhead with the weird beard. Remember when he was released by the A's? Yeah. That's nuts. Justin Turner, another guy released by the Mets. Now he's a Dodger killer, and you're going to see him in our top 10 third base list. And, like and Dodgers, Turner was loud. Turner was loud, though. Like, Muncy, it, it was not necessarily like, come on, burst onto the scene. Like, I am that guy. Muncy was just, oh, shit, this guy is like 280 with 30 bombs. You know, I don't, you know, why I love Muncy so much. Muncy doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Muncy doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, he won't hit for a high average, but. He's so engaged in every at bat. Like when it talks, when you're talking about like pitch count, getting deep into pitchers, like he's just such a good player. And I just always would want him. Like as a Yankee fan, he'd be a dream for me to have on the team. And he'd be a dream for to be on any team. He's just a great all around player and has that defensive versatility as well. Yeah. Like I'm just curious. We say defensive versatility. Now yep. that he's got a spot at second base, how good is he going to be as a second baseman? That's my thing. He's not fast. He's not. He doesn't move laterally incredibly well. No, he, like he's not say short... incredibly well. He doesn't yeah. move laterally well. I know. <laughs> like he's not moving over from shortstop to second base like a Polanco is or a Marcus Semien. He's moving from first to second. Yeah. You know, there's there's some there's some areas of improvement there. But if we're talking bat. He rakes. He rakes like nobody's business. Yeah, he absolutely does. And and his bat is enough to get him into the top five. And yeah. the assurance that he's not going to make many mistakes has him at three. But the guy at two, it feels like hasn't made a mistake in the last decade, eight years. Yeah, the last 10 years. 
Jose Altuve is the second best second baseman in baseball. He's a seven-time All-Star. He's a five-time Silver Slugger. And he might have been dethroned by our top dog's prodigious power season. But Altuve is still fully on the tracks on the railway to Cooperstown, it feels like. The 2017 AL MVP has won three batting titles and is a career 318 hitter with an 821 OPS. That is dumb. Last year, the batting average tapered off a teensy bit. His 278 clip was the lowest he's put up in a full season in his entire career. But with that being said, he walked more than he ever has. He's never been a big walk guy. And his 31 homers is a share of his career high, which he also hit in 2019. Altuve's game is evolving. He stole 56 bags as a 24-year-old in 2014. He stole five bags in 2021. But what he may be losing in that young, spry athleticism, he's making up for it in his approach. A 72-point jump from batting average to on-base percentage in 2021, it was the highest disparity between OBP and average in his career. And the 31-year-old will still be the leader of one of the best teams in baseball. And Jose Altuve was the topic of discussion, definitely when we first made our list, because I had Altuve lower. Than two. I don't remember exactly where I placed him. I think I still, I think I had him five, maybe even yeah, five four. or six. No, I definitely didn't. I knew I had him top five because I was like, Jose Altuve cannot be out of the top five of the second base. He just cannot be. He might have been five. And my reasoning was, was that Altuve's speed was always such a big part of his game, right? I mean, if we, if we go look back at previous years, I mean, 2014, he stole 56 bases, then 38, then 30, then 32. But just over the past couple seasons, the speed has left him. But he's instituted a lot more power. That's led to higher OPS numbers, you know, in certain places. Um, so that's just kind of where I got away from it. And I was also looking at a lot of expected stats. I'm like, wow, he just really doesn't perform up to them. Or I mean, he always outperforms the, what they're expecting him to do. But that's just what he is. He continually outperforms the X stats. And the speed was my thing as to reason why I didn't want to put him too. But similar to Freddie Freeman, there's a level of, I know for a fact, he is going to be one of the best second basemen in baseball. And he's earned the right to be number two. He's earned our respect. So that's why putting him at two makes the most sense. He's also like, he's still, he's still got the talent level at, at two. Oh yeah. It's not like, Jacks last year. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's not like he's the talent level of five, but his track record bumps him to two. He is still as talented as they come at second base. And Oh, by the way, he's got more track record than anybody. Rates really well as a defender still there too. I just wish he was back to like he could imagine if he put this power and stole 30 bases. Like he could be 280, 30, 30. I mean well, he's not he's, going to, he's, but right. He's a unanimous MVP if that's the case. Yeah. Like that's that's what he could do at five foot six, 165 pounds. It's 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 honestly he's he's the it's it's not correct to call him the Steph Curry of the of the MLB because you Steph just want to Curry because he's short. <laughs> I want to say that because I feel like he gives a lot of kids a lot of hope to be big leaguers. Steph okay, Curry so in the NBA. That's why I think he's Chris Paul. Hmm, he's that's so, better. 
he's so unbelievably consistent. And the reality is like, he's a stocky, like Chris Paul is like a stocky six footer. Thanks. Altuve. That's it. Right. I mean, like they just do, they just do some things so surgically well. I'm honestly blown away by how good that comparison was. Blown away. (laughs) That's all I do, man. I do cross sport comps. Um, if anybody ever needs a consultant in terms of cross sport comps, I've called AJ Preller, the J.R. Smith of baseball executives. Um, and I'll stand by that one. So listen, like if you ever need a baseball player compared to a basketball player or a basketball player compared to a football player, you let me know and I will absolutely do it. Should we talk number one? Yeah. Number one's pretty damn good. The best second baseman in baseball is coming off the best offensive season at the position and a gold glove. It's a no-brainer. Marcus Semien of the Texas Rangers is the best in the game. He led the position in home runs at 45. Are you kidding me? Add in all those extra bases, those 39 doubles, and war en route to a top three AL MVP finish. Since 2019, Jack, he has a 15.4 F war. That's the best war in the sport, people. Beating out Juan Soto by a full win and a half. Compared to his position, he's been five wins better than second place DJ LeMahieu in that span. He's a former shortstop turned elite defensive second baseman. He finished second at the position in defensive runs saved and sixth in outs above average to take home that gold glove. He finished top three in MVP voting twice in the last three years and was compensated appropriately for it. He's definitely the best second baseman in the game. Yeah. He, thank you for mentioning that he was, he was appropriately compensated because I think a lot of people saw 175 for semi and they were like, what's going on here? Good. You look at what he's done. You look at the production. It's stupidly high. It's crazy. Um, I mean, this I, is a guy. Can I say yeah. this again? Like he finished since 2019. He is first in war. First, not second, not first at the position. First in all of baseball. That's in, and it's not 15.4 to 15.3. It's 15.4 to 14. And it's Juan Soto. That's what Marcus Semyon has been doing the past three years. He is no doubt the best second baseman in the sport. He's one of the best players in the sport. He's one of the best players. He absolutely is one of the best players. Um, Yeah, I mean, his thing is the power didn't come out of nowhere. The power's always kind of been there. But not too long ago, this was the guy that was the young shortstop for the Oakland A's that led baseball in errors. And he was the joke of a defensive shortstop. He was not that good defensively at short. So you get the position change and you get a different look. You get that one-year deal with Toronto and you go guns blazing. I really do think in a low-stress environment in Texas, like they're not expected to contend in the AL West. I think there's a chance that he and Seager go ballistic. Ballistic. Because there's no pressure. Just rake. You got your money? Just rake. That's all. That's it. You don't need to anchor a team. Like there's zero talent on that roster outside of those two, maybe John Gray, but that's about it. Mitch Garver is the catcher. If you look at Garver, Seager and Semyon, they should be in the BP group by themselves. And they should just talk about how shitty everybody else. Is. <laughs> just talk shit about the rest. Yeah. Garcia can, you know, 
Maybe it's an okay, alternate. Yeah, that he group. can be the fourth in that BP group. Usually BP crews at four. So they'll say, do you guys see this dude filling in for Josh Young at third base? Oh my God, he sucks. <laughs> Just bagging on the rest of your team. No, another thing about Marcus Semyon that I think has to be noted because statistically he's the best in the sport at the position. But in the locker room, we've talked about this with Freddie Freeman. Like this is important to us. The impact of the locker room, being a leader, it is. And we put that into our rankings because we care about that. We think that clubhouse dynamics is really important. And Jack, I, I want to also say this as well. I was listening to an Alex Anthopoulos interview on um, the athletic baseball show with Jason Stark. Love Jason Stark. Love how he does stuff with Starkville. He's been on the podcast before with Arm and Jeff Conine. Big fans of Jason Stark. Alex Anthopoulos said that in Toronto, one of his pitfalls was that he didn't put enough stock into clubhouse chemistry. And then when he went to Atlanta, that's been one of his big talking points, getting guys like that in. When Freddie Freeman left, that was the big problem there. That's why you saw him crying because of how important Freddie Freeman is to the fabric of the Atlanta Braves. Although Marcus Semien was just in Toronto for such a short time, he became the leader. You saw what Bo Bichette would say about him when he left. You saw what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. said about, about Marcus Semien when he left. This guy made an impact on a young Blue Jays roster. They all followed him for a reason. Now he's going to Texas. He's going to do the same exact thing. So st statistically, he's the best. And in the locker room, he might also be the best. That's why, to me, definitive best first baseman or best second baseman in baseball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm also curious about Toronto's setup. Who's the leader now? Is Vladdy ready to do it? Is Bichette ready to do it? Or is Springer the guy now? I think it has, well, the Springer's been hurt, but I think it has to be Springer at this point because Bichette and Vlad, they're 22, 23, 24 years old. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to be the commanding leader of the clubhouse at such a young age. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They could still be it. But are you look at guys like Teoscar Hernandez, right? Do you look at guys like even a Kevin Gosman coming over? Right. Every Luis Robert needs a Jose Abreu. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what Marcus Semien gave to Bo Bichette, gave to Vladdy, and was just right in the middle of even, you know, figuratively and literally at second base with Vladdy at first and Bo Bichette at shortstop. Yeah. Like, I'm just so excited to talk about shortstop rankings because I'm going to tell you how high I'm on with Bo Bichette. Um, but here you go, Blue Jays fans. We didn't we did put Vladdy number one, but we put Marcus Semi number one, but now he's on the Rangers. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, we are going to do third baseman on Friday with Aram, but to just run through <laughs> our top 10 again at second base, Marcus Semien is one, Jose Altuve is two, Max Muncy's the third best, Cattell Marte is fourth, fifth best second baseman is Brandon Lau, Trevor Story is six at a new spot, Jake Cronenworth seven, Ozzy Albies eight, nine is Jonathan India, and 10 is Jorge Polanco. Loaded. More loaded than it has been in recent memory. Dare I say it's more loaded than first base? It is more loaded than first base. And it's way more loaded than catcher. Oh, God. Brutal. Good thing we but put I catcher don't know in the rearview mirror. I don't know if it's as loaded as third base, though. No, that'll be awesome. Uh, you, me, and Aram on Friday for that. You and Aram are going to go through the NL West off-seasons tomorrow. Absolutely grading the NL West. And go get you just baseball merch in the episode description. The link is in there. I'm rocking my not gambling advice tee. 
Jack looks like the guy from Blue's Clues with his my Izod quarter zip. Do you like that? You, I don't. Did you hear my what I was making fun of? Yeah, Steve from Blue's Clues. Did you like that one? I heard it. I I decided to not acknowledge. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Do we have anything else to cover? Go follow us on Instagram, people at just baseball fans on TikTok at just baseball fans on Twitter at just BB Media. And of course, if you don't like listening to our faces, um listening to our faces, looking at our faces or listening to our voice. You can read the full article on JustBaseball.com. Also, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button for us. If you could, it would definitely help us out. Just keep pressing it. Just keep pressing it. And if you could also toss us a like, we would genuinely appreciate it. I don't got anything else. Second base is loaded. And with that, thank you, everybody. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.